Welcome to Hope Solo Speaks. The next seven episodes will be dedicated to arguably the greatest sporting event of all time and one of the most watched sporting events in the world, the FIFA World Cup. We are just one week away and we here at Sirius brainstormed how to present a unique experience for my listeners a show with insight, with knowledge, with expertise, and of course, peppered with on-field and off-field politics. In the end, we decided to do something, well, different. We never stick to one lane here on Hope Solo Speaks. I'm not claiming that this is a novel idea on my part. This concept should have been embraced a long time ago. For this World Cup, I will be having only women on my show. And it's not because I'm a man-hating feminist it's because I'm bringing on champions and individuals who have actual experience at the highest level. Something that unfortunately cannot be said about our American male commentators. I've done my very best to select participants who will give a unique perspective, not simply an American perspective. For reference, I recall the days when there were only men, all men calling women's games, male broadcasters, male analysts, male color commentators, male dominated media. It didn't matter if it was a men's game or a women's game. I believe that we have evolved to the point where my listeners understand that expertise is not an issue of gender. It's one of merit and on-field experience. Yet still today, we have never seen women playing all the pivotal roles when it comes to calling a men's tournament. I am a firm believer in merit-based hiring. That's why I am confident that the guests I have joining us through the 2022 FIFA World Cup will blow your socks off. The guests will include former and current female players from all over the world giving their first-hand analysis and individual reactions to their own country's performances. So kick back and take a lesson or two from some of the greatest of all time. Back with us here today is USA's very own, one of the best players to ever play the game, certainly one of the best minds in the game, and now a studio analyst for Fox covering the Men's World Cup in Qatar, the number 10, Carly Lloyd. What's up, Carly? Welcome back. I know. Good to good to see you through Zoom and good to chat again. I'm excited about this one. You know, maybe one day I'll actually see you in person. It's been many years. <laughs> too many years. Too many years. Um, I hope it comes soon. Anyways, um, welcome to the show. This is a this is the only place where listeners um will find all female guest list. Uh it's gonna be filled with past and present players from around the world. And we're kicking it off with, with you, with a true expert in the game, um, a one-of-a-kind, you yourself, Carly Lloyd. So you're kicking it off, like I said, all-female guest list throughout the World Cup. So thanks for coming on. I'm honored. Looking forward to it. So, man, you've been busy. You leave to Qatar as an expert analyst for Fox in about a week. Before we dive into the football part, I just want to know how it's been, your transition into an analyst, um, analyzing the game especially from the media box as opposed to on the field of play, because I know how intelligent you are in the game of soccer. I know how much you can read the game, both offensively, defensively, shifting, transitioning. I mean, you have the highest soccer IQ of any any player that I've played with. Um, But how do you communicate that from the box? Is it different than on the field of play? Yeah, it's, you know, I I think that in this last year, I, I think I'm literally going on a year of of being uh, away from the game, and I've just had so many amazing opportunities. And as always, just trying to get out of my comfort zone and try different things, um, figure out what things I like, what I don't like, what I want to continue to pursue. And it's no different than my career. You know, anything that I'm tackling, I'm I'm giving my best effort. I'm, you know, being critical on myself, figuring out ways how I can improve, how I can be better. But um, for the studio analyst work uh, with Fox Sports that I'll be going over to Qatar with, uh, I am I am a rookie. I am like straight out of um, the rookie books. Uh, don't have a lot of reps under my belt. 
Um, but it's, it's like anything, you know, in order to, to kind of figure out if you like something, if you're, you know, pretty good at something, you've got to just go for it. And, uh, I'm looking forward to it, you know, going to probably take in as much as I can. Um, it's a great, great crew that, that will be going over there with Fox sports, uh, some former legends of the game, men and women. So I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, yeah, it's, you know, I think as a, as a player, you've, you've learned the game and and I evolved and grew so much. Uh, and now with all of my experiences and everything that I've kind of gone through on the field and off the field, now I can kind of take this perspective of viewing the game in a different light. And so that's, what's been, been really interesting is I've never kind of been in that position before. And, and now I'm, I'm able to kind of see the game a little bit differently, um, not critical of myself. I'm, you know, just seeing the game as a whole. So yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting. Looking forward to it. Well, I don't think people realize how difficult it is because when you're on camera, you have people talking in your ear, you're trying to formulate your own opinions, your own thoughts and articulate them clearly and, and precisely, but you're looking at different screens. Your eyes have to look at one camera uh, you have to throw it back to your co-hosts and and to other analysts, and it, and it's really difficult. But I think, um, just from my perspective, what makes you great is that you know the game and you trust yourself in your knowledge of the game. So everything else aside, you just talk about the game, right? But I'm wondering if you know the American audience um, has come really far in their soccer IQ, but a lot of people still tune into the game just for the entertainment aspect of the World Cup. So I'm wondering if you have to kind of dumb down um, or simplify the game for the audience to understand it. Yeah, I think, you know, you make you make great points. I mean, TV is is something we're all not used to. You know, people that are in TV and that have been in TV, you know how to stand, you know where to put your hands. I mean, there's all these different <laughs> things. Talking about the game is kind of the easy part, um, but it's not so easy because, you know, when you're doing, when I was doing a, a pregame halftime post game with Fox Sports covering, you know, the, the U.S. Women's National Team for those two, couple times that I did, you have to be straight to your point, clear, concise, and you have to get it out very quickly because there's obviously a time crunch. Now, going over here to, to Qatar with the, the Men's World Cup coming up, um, the shows are going to be a little longer. So uh, I would imagine that it'll be a little bit, you know, easier to kind of pinpoint some of, um, you know, the, the remarks and uh, analysts that, that, you know, I'm seeing within the games or certain players. But I think what's intriguing to me is, is just from a player's perspective, kind of being able to tell a story or, or what perhaps may be going through that player's mind with a certain decision on the field or the mentality uh, of teams and players, uh, what needs to be done in that particular instance. I think that's, that's the stuff that, that people don't really understand and don't really know. But I do think that um, there's going to be a wealth of knowledge with the entire crew that's going to be part of Fox Sports and everybody kind of brings some different dynamic, different experience. Uh, so I, I do think that, yeah, there's going to be certain instances where, you know, we have to to kind of educate a little bit more. Um, but, you know, hopefully uh, it's a great World Cup and very entertaining. Well, this is the most expensive World Cup. Um, over $200 billion has been spent on infrastructure alone. Um, there are only eight stadiums being used. It's the lowest number since 1978 when the World Cup was in Argentina. And Argentina only had six stadiums at the time. Um, the stadiums in Qatar are fully air conditioned <laughs> for the first time ever. Uh, does this World Cup seem different to you, obviously being in the winter, or does every tournament just seem to get better and better? The stadiums get better, more money is spent, um, even the play is more exciting, or does it seem just kind of a one-off World Cup for you? I think this is this is a very, very different World Cup on a, on a number of different levels that... Um, I don't really feel like getting into at the moment because we could be here for hours, but um, it, it's a challenging one. You know, there's a, there's a lot of talk about a lot of different topics around this world cup. And I think the beauty of football is that it, it brings so many different people together, different cultures, different backgrounds. 
um, it, it unites everybody. And so my hope that despite everything that's, that's kind of going on and um, how different this is being played over Thanksgiving and, and into the holiday season, um, that it is a beautiful tournament and it can be, you know, it, it'll be exciting. Games will be good. Um, you know, that's, that's my hope. So, yeah, I think that every world cup is just getting bigger and better. Um, I, I think that this, this one in particular, uh, is going to be filled with a lot of talented players, you know, more, more creativity on the ball, a lot of just, just true ballers of the game, you know, very creative players, younger players. Um, we're, we're kind of seeing that, that tail end of players we grew up watching almost fizzling out into the retirement phase. So I'm hopeful that this will be uh, an exciting world cup. Um, it is pretty crazy how small Qatar is. Uh, so I'm very curious to, to see kind of how everything pans out with stadiums, with the crowds, with the traffic. Um, but yeah, it'll be very interesting. Can you imagine playing in an air conditioning stadium? That, that That's unbelievable to me. Unheard of. I mean, uh, I want to feel the sweat. I want, I want to, you know, be extra hydrated. And I know you would want to be as well. That's, that's a whole different element to me as a player, I would think. Oh, absolutely. And, and I'm curious as to, you know, what exactly they'll be setting it at. Yeah. Uh, if you'll be able, if more of the fans will be able to feel that versus the players on the field. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's very, uh, very interesting for sure. Um, are you going to get, before we start talking about soccer, um, I want to talk a little bit more about Doha and Qatar um, and about if you're nervous to travel to the Middle East, if you're excited, if you're going to get to experience the culture, are you going to be trapped in your hotel room, studying the games, watching the games, going to the studio? Um, you know, this is kind of a one in a lifetime opportunity to, to go to a place like Qatar. So I hope you get to experience. Yeah, I was there for the Men's World Cup draw and uh, very busy. I mean, I was pretty much in and out, so I didn't really get to get to experience much. Um, yeah, I mean, I you know, I've been I've been traveling a lot the last several several months, um, pretty, pretty insane travel. Um, but I must say that, you know, the people were all very welcoming, very nice when I was there for the, the Men's World Cup draw. Um and, you know, the, the men's world cup draw, I mean, it was an incredible show, you know, having kind of been there for that draw and then been at the woman's one just in New Zealand. Um, yeah, it was, you know, the, the show was, was pretty massive for the men's world cup draw. Uh, as far as what I'll be doing, I'm a rookie. So I'm going in, like, this is my first day of school. I don't know what to expect. I don't know how much time I'm going to have. I'm going to bring some books with me. I'm of course going to be researching a ton, um, following the games, studying the games and just figuring out, uh, yeah, what, what I'm expect expected to do. Um, uh, but as I've kind of approached my retirement life now, um, which is different than what you probably saw while I was playing is I'm, I'm just trying to kind of stay in the moment and one, one day at a time, not get too overwhelmed and just tackle what I need to tackle within that day and then move on to the next day. So I definitely want to soak it up hopefully get immersed in some of the culture as well. And uh, yeah, just enjoy it. Well, the winning team will receive $54 million in prize money. That's uh, $42 million for winning, $2 million for qualifying, and another $10 million for getting out of the group. Um, I first got to ask you, do you think the host nation will win? I'm going to have to say probably not. Probably not. Okay, so only two continents have World Cup champions, obviously, Europe and South America. Um, what are the chances that we're going to see another Europe team playing a South American team in, in the final? I think very good chances. Um, I, I did my, uh, my, my bracket recently, had some fun with that. Um, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit biased. Um, of course, I want the U.S. to do, to do well. But I do wish and hope that Messi is able to add to his already illustrious mm -hmm. career with a World Cup uh, win and trophy to kind of put all those talks to bed about who's better, him or Maradona. 
Um, and I do think Argentina has a, has a good chance this year. Well, I want to get into more specifics about Argentina. Um, but to be honest, I haven't been able to watch, of course, all the friendlies. It's not my job right now to do as it is yours, um, or the qualifying matches. So I, I really do want to get some more insight from you, the expert on really what's impressed you so far and the players and the teams to watch. But I, I first, uh, let's start with the American side. Um, I believe the roster is being announced today in New York City. I think I saw it. it. Yes. Okay. So uh, the men, they've had a disappointing run of friendlies um, leading obviously into the World Cup. Do you think this is acceptable? Can you walk us through really what to expect from the American side? I think this is a, a very tough uh, situation the USA is in at, at the moment. Um, a couple of reasons being they didn't qualify for the last World Cup, as we all know. Um, that was a major dis disappointment. They've now qualified. They're now heading to Qatar with what appears to be the youngest squad at the World Cup. And now the expectations that we as Americans are putting on the team, we expect them to do well. And my biggest question mark for, for the squad, and as we know, we don't know the exact squad going yet, <clears throat> is how are all these younger, inexperienced players going to deal with this pressure? Because there's pressure going into a World Cup no matter what. But now this added pressure that they just played a couple of friendlies prior. That was the last time they played together. Um, they weren't great games. They couldn't get the attack going. It looked very rigid, um, not creative, not fluid in their movements. Um, and I also just didn't see the belief in the players. Like I, I really, that, that that's another question mark for me. I don't, I don't know that those players really believe that they can, they can go as far as they want to go. Um, and we've seen the American side in, in previous world cups where they've had that warrior mentality and that needs to show up with this squad. So I think the biggest telltale is going to be their first game against Wales. If they can win and play well against Wales, I think their run through the world cup is, is going to be, be, be going well for them. It's good. They're going to gain confidence from that, but if they don't, um, it could get really, really tricky. So mental strength, is a huge part of this young team, I would think. The fortitude, like you said, that warrior mentality, um, and then the belief. Does all of those characteristics fall on Burhalter? Absolutely. I think uh, each player needs to needs to carry that. Sometimes you have, um, you know, four or five players that embody that, which then becomes contagious around the group. Um, sometimes in a squad, you don't have anyone that embodies that. And so you need that motivation from the manager. Um, I don't know, you know, Greg all too well uh, from a personal standpoint. Of course, I've met him. I've seen him. Um, and I've been following the, the games. I've been watching. I just hope that we don't overcomplicate things because you and I both know we've been a part of teams where the joy sticks out and you're really trying to control every aspect of every player on the field and trying to dictate that. It doesn't work like that. You know, you've got to let your players uh, go out there and uh, just allow their instincts to kick in, allow them to make decisions, to figure things out. Of course, coach, of course, do all that. But that's my worry a little bit is that we've, we've just, kind of overcomplicated things. You know, I, I think in the sports world nowadays, everything is analytics. Everything is a stat. <clears throat> there's stats for everything, um, but there's no stats that measure heart, will, desire, and and the mind. And, and that is what is needed to win any World Cup. I don't care how, how tactically sound you are, how technical the team is, you, you need the mental capacity, the belief, the will, the desire, and that mindset to be able to, to lift a trophy in the end. Of course. And you see all these computer programs now trying to pick the winner based on stats of every type of stat, like you said. 
based on, um, you know, player performances and ratings and literally just a lottery, putting it into the computer system and coming up with the victor and the winner and the prediction. And I always say, you can't believe in stats, you know, you can't predict the winner. Um, it's not always the same on paper as it is on the field. And because of those intangibles, like you said, the heart, the mind, the spirit. Um, but I do think the USA team has a good mix of players that are playing in the MLS and abroad. So there is that. Um, but what's going on with Pulisic and, you know, not, and, and, and Dest and Sergino Dest, not getting a lot of consistent playing time with their clubs. Um, Sergino can't even get a look with AC Milan right now. And Pulisic is playing wing back for Chelsea. Um, do you think this is going to affect Berhalter's decision? Um, is it going to affect the player's confidence? And is, is it going to affect their actual impact on, on the team going into the World Cup? I think, yeah, all the above can affect that. Um, as a player, you want to go into a, a major tournament, you know, firing on all cylinders. You want to be confident. You want to be played in. You want to um, feel really good. But the reality is everybody's situation is different. And uh, with Pulisic, you know, I feel for him. I really do. I mean, he's, you know, he, he's he's got the heart. He's got the will. Um, he's a good enough player. And sometimes managers just... They don't play you. I've been there, you know, and and it's unfortunate. But the only thing that you can control is what you're doing every single day. And if you're bringing that effort, I don't think that it's going to affect him in a negative way. I think he's a fit enough player, um, you know, and, and some of the other players. Yeah, I mean, you know, some of them all have different situations within their clubs, Um uh, two players that I really, uh, really do like. I like Brendan Aronson. I like Tyler Adams, um, you know, playing for Leeds. They they seem to be doing well and and kind of peaking at the right moment. So I think that they can definitely be two players that will come in and, and really help this USA squad. Uh, but, you know, you get to a World Cup and, and everything changes. You know, the, the dynamics change, the environment change, the mindset changes, um, you no longer can think about what's been happening with your club. You, you have to you immerse yourself in, in the now, you know, being with your, with your, your squad, your team, what the goals are. Um, but I do think that they have a nice blend. Again, it, it's going to come down to the belief that they have in each other and, um, getting, getting that first win in that first game. Well, it is a tough group, uh, England, Iran, and Wales. How do you think they're going to fare in the group? If they get a win this first, the first game, they're coming out of the group solid. If they don't, it's going to be a struggle against England. Um, they're, they would have to put in an unbelievable performance to upset England. Uh, and, and Iran, we can't look past them either. You know, that, that's going to be a challenging game. So as we always know, you know, you and I, the way you start a world cup and the way you finish a world cup could be completely different. And it's just about weathering that storm. But, um, in a group like this, you know, you want to come out strong, you want to get that first win. And if they do, I, I really believe, believe that they can get out of the group, um, and do well going forward. Well, it's a long time coming <laughs> It is, and perhaps in our lifetime, we actually might see the men win a world cup. It could happen. Anything is possible. Um, let's move on to CONCACAF teams. Um, can you take us through the likes of Costa Rica, Canada, and Mexico? Um, why, don't, why don't we start off with, with Canada? Obviously, they've had such a great showing. Um, they're a pretty strong team coming out of CONCACAF and in qualifying. Um, and of course, John Herdman. <laughs> what is up <laughs> with this guy? We are very familiar with him. He seems to yeah. instill this like incredible spirit into his team and camaraderie and energy into his teams. I mean, this guy, where does he come from? Out of nowhere, it seems like, and he continues to build his team strong. Yeah, we, you know, we, we know John Herdman very well. <laughs> I would always uh, give him grief and look over at the sideline <laughs> when he was screaming his head off uh, at, at something, but uh, you know, always, always got along with him, you know, after the game was, was usually done, but he's done well with this Canada group. I, I must say, I, I think that, that a lot of people are kind of sleeping on Canada. I think Canada is, is really going to surprise us. Um, you know, can, can Alfonso Davies stay healthy? Is he going to come in healthy? That that's a big question mark. 
Um, but you know, they, they were firing on all cylinders throughout that qualification stage. They're confident. They've got something to prove. We know the the heart and the will that Canada have. And, you know, John Herdman is obviously motivating this team and, uh, he's, he's a very good motivator. So yeah, it should be interesting. I think they're going to be well-organized. Um, and I, I think they're going to do better than what most people are expecting. Yeah. That's something that Herdman always has. He knows how to organize his squad. Um, and then he does the gamesmanship stuff, you know, the stuff on the sidelines, the motivating individual players, the pissing off other managers. He really knows how to get in the heads of other opponents. Um, again, that's, that's something that, you know, not a lot of managers have. And like I said, Herdman seems to come out of nowhere and figure these things out. Canada's group is pretty tough. They have Belgium, um, Morocco and Croatia. Um, but I, I'm cheering for them. You know, I, I want to see them do well. I want to see the CONCACAF teams do well. So uh, how does Mexico and Costa Rica look? Um, they're a little bit more suspect, in my opinion. I think uh, Mexico had a bit of a, a nerve wracking um, path to qualifying. You know, I, I think that I was under the assumption that they were a better Mexico squad than what they displayed throughout the qualifying stages. Um, they've sort of changed their... Uh, style play a little bit. It's it's now more of a slow, patient buildup, which I think can get them in trouble a little bit more. Um, they've got some final third struggles as well. But Mexico, they as soon as they get to a World Cup, it it seems like everything changes. So I don't think we can discount them whatsoever. Um, but it'll it'll be interesting. Uh, Costa Rica, Costa Rica is a hard group, I think. Um, you know, they, they obviously had a rough start to qualifying as well. They had to play in the playoff spot. They have the most experienced squad, um, good goalkeeper Navas. So, yeah, I mean, I, again, we've been part of world cup squads where teams haven't been doing well, you know, throughout the cycles. And then you get to this world cup and everything changes. The mindset changes within all these teams. So, um, I think that everybody just turns it up several notches when they get to the World Cups. Of course. And Mexico seems to always have the morale of their country behind them. So you're right. You know, Mexico shows up to a World Cup and suddenly there's numbers everywhere on the fields, all around the ball. But it, like you said, it's a different style of play. So perhaps we're not going to see um, the numbers, you know, the energy. Um, it, it's hard to shift styles so dramatically, I would think. Um, because that's really what gives Mexico their energy is, is going after the ball, you know, playing together, running up and down the field. But when you have a slow buildup, it's really not in their DNA. Never has been. No, no, they, they are always high octane, you know, creativity, you know, going at teams, running at teams. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. All right. There are 32 teams, um, probably only a handful of, of true contenders, um, can you take us through your top teams? I would say now France is always a top contender, obviously, you know, reigning world champions. Um, they are missing some key players though, Pogba and, and Conte and two key players in the central midfield. Um, so that that's going to change the dynamic. Uh, as we know, it's hard to repeat. Uh, can, can you do it? Of course. Is there the motivation? Is the, the team hungry enough to do it? Those are the big question marks. Um, but I still think, you know, Benzema, he's in form. He's coming off of, uh, you know, obviously a, a great last season. Um, and Mbappe, their attack, I mean, their attack, they're going to score goals. Um, hands down, they're going to score goals. But, uh, you know, we'll be, we'll see. I'm a, I'm very excited to see Mbappe, obviously such a talented player, so entertaining to watch, but I'm really excited for Benz, for Benzema to get on the field yeah. in a world cup, playing for his home country, finally, you know, um, you know, winning the Ballon d'Or. Uh, I just hope he has a great, great tournament. You know, he's on the older side of the game, um, could be his only world cup, um, but they still have Griezmann, no Pogba, that's huge, no Conte in the midfield. It could change the entire way France plays. Um, but, but I, I, I'm thinking we may see France again in the final. 
Yeah, I'm not so sure, but no, they, they, they definitely have a squad, uh, that can, that can for sure do it. No doubt. And of course, Griezmann can run forever. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, you can't discount a team like Germany ever. Um, you know, they're possession style team counter pressing. They're always technical, um, I do think though, just kind of the German way, just lacking that creativity a little bit of, of kind of what this, this new generation of the game of football is, is presenting. It's uh it's very fluid. There's, you know, a lot of, a lot of players, um, rotating around in, in positions. So, um, you know, they'll, they'll be a top contender, but I'm not so sure that they can go very far, uh, especially with their, you know, Defensive presence, I think they're they're a bit weak there, uh, especially the center backs with the mobility. Well, let's talk more about Germany because Germany has been one of the most consistent uh, national team set teams in in the world um, in World Cup history. In fact, um, they won in twenty fourteen. Um, they've had two semifinals and a runner up spot since two thousand and two. They had a disastrous World Cup four years ago as did defending champions. Um, but they're actually going to Qatar with a new coach at a major tournament for the first time since 2008. And they've only won one game in the last seven games. Um, Hansi Flick is, is a manager for Germany. He's a new young coach. Um, what do you think about playing for a young coach after having a steady coach for a number of tournaments for Germany in the past decade? It's going to be very different. Uh, I think that sometimes when a a coach comes in um, and changes things and maybe changes the approach, style of play, uh, it's a different vibe. You know, sometimes that takes time. Sometimes that takes time for the team to gel, for for the team to kind of come together. And uh, Germany, they, they always have a a plan. There's always a long-term plan in place. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I, I would never discount them, um, you know, going, going fairly far, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's going to be, it's going to be kind of interesting to see it all come together because they have not had some good results uh, as of lately. All right. So we talked about France. We talked about Germany. Who else do you got as your top, top teams to watch? Um. We talked. We talked about. I'll talk about Argentina. I mean, I I do think Argentina has a really good shot at winning it. Um, their their new manager in place um, is has, I feel like has finally kind of given this team what it needs—a sense of identity and not just the Argentina that throws out all their amazing players and it's like go play. You know, there's some structure to it. Um, they've been doing well. They've been consistently winning. I think Messi has finally come into his own. He seems happy. He seems comfortable. He's been assisting. He's been scoring. He looks like the Messi that we've always seen and and wanted to see when he left Barcelona and went to PSG. So I feel like he's in a good place. And the squad around him is some experienced players as well as some newly uh, exciting, uh, younger talent. So I do think that they have a a really good chance of, of being able to win. Um, and yeah, I would, I would love to, to see him be able to lift a trophy. You know, working for BN, um, and watching Messi play, uh, throughout the years, it seems like he always plays best when he's happy. I know that's that's silly to say, but even with Ronaldo, and we'll get into to Portugal here in a sec, I'm sure. But um, this is Messi's fifth and and final chance to to lift that World Cup trophy. Argentina hasn't won the World Cup since 1986. Um, Messi's won one trophy with Argentina in last year's Copa America. Um, but you're right; he's been playing like the old Messi. He's mm-hmm. scoring, he's making assists, he's running around the field, and he looks happy doing it. So yeah. do you think this is Messi's chance? Is he bound for glory? Is he going to be able to retire on the highest of highs? I do. I think when things are aligned in, in our lives, you know, as well as I do, when you're, when you're happy, when 
you're content, when you're at peace um, with things on the field, off the field, you tend to, to just be playing at your best. And it's very hard to do that because life is complicated with a lot of different things. But this has a different meaning for Messi going into this World Cup. This will most likely be his last World Cup. And, and I believe he, is, he has said that in uh, an interview. So this is different. And, and I think in order for Argentina to lift that trophy, Messi has always, you know, stepped up on his club teams. And he did recently um, with Argentina. Uh, but I, I think that this is going to take a whole nother level for Messi to step up. And there's been the argument that he doesn't step up when he needs to with Argentina. And I think that he is comfortable uh, in a, in a very comfortable space right now. Um, and I think that he's, he's going to, to light it up. I mean, there's just no question. It, it's he's playing for something more than, than just playing in another world cup this time. I around. can't wait to see that. And I hope you're right. He uh, right now is sitting on 12 goals and 14 assists in all competitions. He's firing on all cylinders. And I hope, I really just hope he shows to be the leader that he can be because, you know, I've been hard on Messi over the years because I get so angry when I see him puff and puff around the field when things aren't going his way. When I see him stop running, when I see him not getting to position, um, it, you know, you, you keep him on the field because it takes one second for him to turn it on and, and score a goal. So you always keep him on the field, but oftentimes he leaves his teams playing with only 10 players on the field because he decides not to run because of his frustration levels. Um, and for me, that's a lack of leadership at times, but I, I don't want to see it this world cup. I just want to see, I want to see him running around, buzzing around the field you know, playing offense, playing a little bit of defense when he wants to, getting a toe poke in um, and just having fun and, you know, finding his players, getting his assists, getting his passes in. But I do not want to see any sulking on the field this tournament from Lionel Messi. But to play devil's advocate, you know, a lot of that was with Barcelona. Um, there was a lot of things going on behind the scenes. I think that not everybody was aware of, but then kind of became aware of as his departure. So. I think that he he's someone that that, you know, plays with his heart on his sleeve. And I think that things his environment, it, to me, from an outside, uh, an outsider looking in, I think that he has to have kind of everything aligned. He has to feel comfortable with the team that he's playing on, the manager, the situation. Um, and, and if he is, he seems to to play really well. So, you know, I would agree. I don't want to see that either, especially with his last world cup, no matter what happens, I'd love for him to just make his teammates look better. Um, him play well uh, as well. And, uh, you know, see, see how far Argentina can go. I had a coach once tell me that, uh, they did a study and players declines, um, in terms of, um, their output on the fields when it came to certain events in their lives. And those events included things like divorce, marriage, um, not necessarily a baby on the men's side of things, which was very interesting. I did probably because, you know, they had childcare or, or their wives and girlfriends would take care of the baby or family members while they still focused on the pitch. But when it came to divorce, when it came to marriage, um, and when it came to other personal struggles in life, there was actually a study done where players declined in their output on the field. So hopefully things are going well for Messi now and we will see the best of the best of him in his final World Cup. Um, let's move on. Since we talked about Messi, we should move on to Portugal. Yeah, it's Portugal, huh? Um, yeah, Portugal is going to be an interesting one. I mean, this whole Ronaldo situation has just been, it's been crazy, you know, just seeing everything that's gone on with Manchester United. And obviously he's not been, having a lot of uh, minutes, um, hasn't been as clinical with his finishing, but I do know as, you know, someone coming off the bench and not having been playing consistent minutes, it is very hard to be put in or subbed in late in the game. And, you know, everybody's expecting him to score. Um, it doesn't always happen like that. So I do think that Portugal is a good squad, even without Ronaldo. So what Ronaldo are we going to see at the World Cup? 
are we going to see a Ronaldo who is going to play a bit more defense press because he's typically not that type of player? Uh, is he going to be clinical in his finishing when he gets his chances and opportunities? Um, but I do think Portugal, you know, is, is, is a good squad and good enough squad if he is not on the field. Well, Ronaldo and Messi both have not won a World Cup. Um, it's alluded these two top players. It's never been in question that Ronaldo will show up and deliver in big games. Um, I'm assuming that he he has a lot to prove because of his club play as of recently. And I have a feeling he'll show up to play as well. And I hope we see the best of Messi and the best of Ronaldo in this World Cup. And and I also think that his key to success is his happiness as well. Um, like you said, there's a lot going on with his club team off the pitch as well. Um, and he seems to be happier playing with his country. I would say sometimes the opposite for Messi, where he seems happier playing with his club than country. But with Ronaldo, he really does play with so much pride for Portugal. And he's carrying Portugal on his shoulders, I think. even, And I, I think he will be a starter for the team. Um, I guess we will we will wait and see. But I still think he's carrying that team. Oh, totally. I mean, the, the guy's a competitor. There's no denying that. I mean, he broke his nose, went back in the game and, and kept playing. So there's no denying that. Um, it's just if things aren't going his way, what is the reaction going to be? Um, how is it going to affect the team? I think that that's uh, you know, definitely going to be a, a telltale. And yeah, hopefully we do see the best of Ronaldo and Messi because at the end of the day, it it makes for a better World Cup. Now, Ronaldo is still the highest international goal scorer of all time with more than 70 goals. So I expect him to score a few goals this, this World Cup. Um, side note for you, Italy is always my team to cheer for. Yeah. <laughs> and they're missing the second consecutive World Cup. Oh, my gosh. It kills me inside. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts. Um, uh, Italy had a shocking loss to North Macedonia in qualifiers. Um, but they're the current European champions. So, and they won't be in Qatar. What do you, how do you feel about that? Do you think European champions should get an automatic bid into the world cup? I, yeah. I mean, not see Italy. I mean, we, as Americans thought, you know, with our team, not qualifying for one world cup um, was, was hard enough, but Italy two in a row. Yeah. It's uh, I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, everybody's got to go through a qualification, you know, process. And um, uh it's unfortunate. I mean, they're, they're a great squad to not be in the world cup. I mean, everybody, you know, wants to see Italy, the the passion that they all play with and the style of play and, and all of that. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a, a shame with them missing, but that's, it's part of it. Gotta- I have to find a new team, new team to cheer for other than obviously the American side. I think I'm going to go for Portugal. You go for Argentina. I'll go for Portugal. <laughs> We'll have a side bet. <laughs> yeah. And there's also a few dark horses too. I mean, and, and we haven't even talked about Brazil. I of mean, I do, think, I do think Brazil, if there's any chance for Brazil to win a world cup, now is the time. Um, they are definitely a top contender and I think that they could spoil it for anyone and, and everyone. So it'll, it'll, it'll be interesting to see if they can bring it all together. We, we know the Brazilian mentality sometimes tends to be a little different. Um, so can they kind of keep that mentality all through the tournament is going to be going to be it for well, them. There's a ton of hype surrounding Brazil yeah. and it's hard not to buy into it. I mean, you look at their players that they have, it's incredible, right? Player for player. You would think that this is a team that's going to win the world cup. So obviously Neymar, Vinicius Jr., Casemiro, Tiago Silva, Allison, Ederson. <laughs> I mean, it goes on and on and on. Um, and I think to a lot of people, there's just this overwhelming belief that this is a year that Brazil is going to do it. How do you think that their defense will hold up to the test? Obviously, they have a high line and a, very much an attacking style coming out of the back. Yeah, I, you know, Brazil like to take risks. Um, always have their their attackers uh, first before their defenders. Um, and, and sometimes that, that can pay off in the end and, and sometimes it can, you know, bite you, uh, and it, and it'll just be kind of interesting to see how, how it all comes together. You know, are they going to be disciplined? Are they going to be organized? Um, you want to go confident, you want to go into a world cup and any major tournament confident, 
but you don't want to go in feeling too comfortable. And that is my worry is that when you are predicted to win and everybody thinks that you're a top contender, uh, does Brazil have the mentality to think the opposite as if they were underdogs going into this, which will keep them going? Uh, that will that will be uh, the test that they're going to put. So uh, I don't know. I mean, they could they could score a lot of goals. Um, they could give up some goals. But as long as you score more than the opposing team, you can win a game. Well, what's good for Brazil is even with their attacking style coming out of the back, you have Casemiro, who is kind of that natural sitting defensive shield for Brazil. So um, hopefully he stays home a little bit and and can really kind of protect that defensive third. Um, I do love Casemiro because he knows his role and he knows his his role quite well. And he'll he'll put his body on the line for the team. Um, uh, okay, so you said dark horses. I want to talk about African nations. Obviously, the teams um, are Cameroon, Ghana, Morocco, Senegal, Tunisia. What do these teams bring to the tournament? Do you see a dark horse in one of the African nations? Well, I did up until Mane just uh, recently is looking, I think it was announced he's not going to the World Cup. We'll miss the World Cup. Um, I thought Senegal had a good a good chance at kind of being being a bit of a dark horse, you know, maybe not winning the World Cup per se, but I think that um, you know, they they definitely have a, a very good squad. Um and they dominated through qualifying. You know, they captured the African Cup. Um, but with Mane out, you know, he's a big part of that squad. So um, you know, I'm not I'm not sure what the team will look like without him in there. What do these African nations in general bring to the tournament? I think just the the unpredictability, you know, as as we know, you know, when we faced Nigeria in our World Cups, um, you just you can't you can't shut off for a split second because anything is possible with these these teams. They have pace. They have hunger. Um, there's a passion and a will that they they play with that. Um, is just so amazing to see, you know, they are so proud to go out and represent their country and um, they've been doing well. I mean, even on the woman's side, African nations, you know, this, this next woman's world cup, there's more African nations than ever that have been in a world cup. And it's just, it's great to see. So I think they're, they're just the unpredictability, um, you know, is, is going to be a, a huge thing with these African, African teams. Um, but they have quality too. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the players are immersed in, in all the different leagues and um, it's, it's really great to see. I think you're right. Uh, watching some of these African nations play kind of brings you back to like, just the love of the game. You see that passion, you see that desire and that will to win the work ethic. Um, it, it kind of brings you back to being a kid. I love it. You're right. You know, you look at the top teams and it's, it's, you know, very structured sometimes like the Germany is very structured. Um, but you still want to have that freedom to play and score goals and run and go into tackles and win air balls. And it's really bringing back kind of that kid in all of us when you get to see some of these teams play out of pure love and joy for the game. So um, I think they do bring that kind of entertainment aspect to the game, to the tournament. Um, all right, Carly, I, we can't cover all the teams. Who are we forgetting? Who else do we I mean, need to talk You know, about? I, I do think, um, I do think we can't discount Spain. Um, you know, Spain has some, some younger talent that I'm really excited to watch. Um, and I think that, you know, they'll, they'll be, a, you know, in the running there as well. Um, I would say a, another, you know, maybe dark horse for me would be Denmark. Um, mm -hmm. I think Denmark could, could really surprise us, especially with Ericsson. I mean, obviously his situation on the field, I, I think it was, you know, 17 months ago, cardiac arrest, um, you know, there's, there's a different level of just passion that I would imagine he's going to be feeling going in, playing in a world cup, um, the appreciation and that's going to spread amongst the squad as well. Uh, so I think that they, uh, 
yeah, they could potentially, you know, cause some, some havoc as well. But yeah, I mean, there's a ton of teams we can sit here for hours and discuss, discuss teams, but yeah, it's going to be exciting. Well, I want to exchange brackets. Um, are you allowed to bet? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Those were the old days, the old collegiate athlete days. Right? Um, if you're placing your money, who would you bet for to be the 2022 FIFA World Cup champion? I am going to just hold strong with Argentina. Okay. I'm going to take you up on that. I'll do a side bet with you later. Um, gosh, am I going to say it out loud on air right now? I don't have Italy to cheer for, so I don't know what to do. It's a whole new world for me. So I'm going to go with Portugal. There you go. Portugal's my team. All right. I'm going to do a side bet with you. You know, I always pick the under underdogs, right? So uh, yeah. I think I think uh, I want Ronaldo or Messi to get their trophy. Um, and I do. It doesn't always end with a fairy tale ending. You had yours. Um, good for you. Kind of, kind of, I mean, you won your, come on. You won back we back always, cups. We, yes. Yes. We can always win more. Right. <laughs> of course. Of course. Um, but yeah, I, I do hope that one of these top players gets their world cup trophy. Finally. Um, I would agree. thank you for coming on Carly. I want to wish you safe travels. I look forward to hearing, uh, your ongoing expert analysis throughout the tournament. I just hope you kick it real, kick it real like you always do. It's going to be exciting. And I'm, I'm so happy I get to watch somebody that I respect who really knows the game. Um, I may send you a text from time to time, make fun of you if you're, your eye is looking at the wrong camera <laughs> or if your hand's on your hip. <laughs> I, will, I will do what I always do, try to speak from the heart, speak truth. Uh, I don't consider myself an expert per se. I'm still a rookie, I'm still getting my feet wet, but um just very grateful for the opportunity and yeah, just ready to ready to talk some football for for several weeks. Hell yeah, and you are an expert in football. That is uh your PhD. So don't forget that. I'm honestly yeah. proud of you, Car. Really excited to watch you. It makes it exciting for me to watch somebody that I really admire and respect. Um, tell the American public what they're seen on the pitch. So it's really awesome. And it, it adds that extra element of excitement for, for many of us. So thank you. Appreciate it. Good chatting. Hope Tell Us Speaks is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today, wherever you stream your podcasts. Sirius XM Podcasts.